You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. As you already know, I'm your host, Kyra. And on today's episode, I want to talk about a subject matter that I feel like has not been shed much light upon it. I want to talk about the inequality amongst Black women in healthcare. There has been this imbalance of inequality amongst how healthcare professionals deal with women of color, specifically when it comes to treatment and seeking healthcare. But I want to take it back a little bit because I want you all to understand where this systemic racism actually stems from. So a lot of where the systemic racism stands from in healthcare dates all the way back to slavery. I can speak on a personal experience that I was told by a family member in regards to one of my family members who was a slave and tried to seek treatment and was denied. So my great aunt, um, my great aunt's mother was white Native American and black. And her husband was Jamaican and he was very dark skinned. And my great grandmother was very fair skinned and she could easily pass for a white woman. And so her kids got passed along her fair skinned genes, so to speak. And so when my great grandmother went to take my great aunt in for treatment, the healthcare workers assumed that my great aunt was Caucasian. And so when after the treatment was over, because I think there was a couple of days that my great aunt had to come back and seek treatment. So when my great, uh, when my grandfather came back to pick the children up, they realized, the healthcare workers realized that the children were actually in fact black and not white, like they had assumed based upon their fair skin. And so the next time that they came back and they needed to seek treatment, they were turned over to the black side in order to get treatment in this healthcare facility. So back in slave times, there was a white side and a black side in the healthcare facilities. And so if you were black, you had to, of course, go to the black side. And if you were white, you were allowed the white side and you obviously received the best treatment. And so because my great aunt wasn't able to finish off her treatments on the white side, she ended up passing away because she was did not receive the proper care that she needed on the black side of the hospital facility. There was also the notion that slaves could sustain a high level of pain. And that was the reason why a lot of times if they needed to seek treatment, the slave masters would not allow them to because they believed that they could tolerate that level of pain, which they couldn't. And in turn, a lot of slaves passed away because of this. I can remember my own personal experience where I was dealing with the healthcare provider that was ignoring my concerns. Um, there was a procedure that I had to get done every couple of months, and I had switched over to a new healthcare provider. And this procedure that I needed done, it required numbing 30 minutes to an hour prior to the procedure. And so when I had asked um, if I could get the numbing done prior to the procedure, I was denied. Um, and instead, this provider decided to continue to do this procedure, this very painful procedure, which would 
inquire me getting 20 to 40 shots done on each side of my body in a very sensitive area um, and deal with a great deal of pain. Now, when I brought this to his attention that I was in pain, he continued on with the procedure and completely ignored me. Now, I did make issue of it and nothing was ever done when I had brought it to a higher up's attention about my experience with this particular provider and they still practice still to this day. So I can definitely relate to a lot of the experiences some other black women have gone through when it comes to, you know, providers having this false narrative or this false belief that as a black woman, you can sustain sustain a high level of pain. Um, And I don't think that that's fair at all. I don't know if a lot of people understand the history of gynecology, but it was a sick experiment by a surgeon in the 19th century by the name of James Marion Sims, and he was from Alabama. And people deemed him the father of gynecology. He created a treatment called viscovaginal fistula, which was a condition that affects the bladder control and the fertility among women. Now, James Marion Sims would experiment on enslaved women specifically without using any sort of anesthesia for his procedures. Now, James believed that black women, like a lot of other slave owners back then, could tolerate a high level of pain. And this was his justification as to why he used black enslaved women specifically to do these procedures. Now, couple that in with the fact that obviously, you know, these slaves did not have any rights and they were deemed less than, you know, an animal as far as human rights. So they felt like they can do all of these weird experiments on these slaves and get away with it essentially. And so a lot of these women that were participants in this study passed away from their injuries due to this particular harmful study. And another uh, example of the systemic racism in healthcare would be, of course, as we all know, the Tuskegee experiment. Now, this took place in Alabama at the Tuskegee Institute, for those of you that are not familiar with it. And for it was for the purpose of recording the natural history of syphilis and black people. And what they had told these black sharecroppers because the people that were participating in this study were black men and they were all illiterate sharecroppers in Alabama. So they didn't have any education. um, They didn't have a lot of money. And so they were told that they were just going to be treated for bad blood. And they weren't provided with any other context as to this even being an experiment or a study. They just were told that they were just going to receive a treatment. They didn't tell them that they were conducting a study and that they were giving them um, injections that could possibly be harmful and lead to harmful effects, not only for them in the long run, but their wives, their children, and their girlfriend. They were not allowed to sign consent forms that they usually would have to sign. Um, And a lot of that had to do with, once again, and the fact that they were illiterate, so they could easily, they felt like they could easily get away with not having them sign these consent forms or actually giving them a rundown on how this experiment worked. 
So with this experiment, there were 399 black males that were positive with syphilis, and 201 of them were control subjects. And so at this time, there was actually treatment that was already in place for syphilis. And this experiment was conducted in 1932. So in 1932, they had already settled on penicillin being a cure for syphilis at this time. So essentially, there was no need to do this experiment on these black males. But once again, because they've always used black people in healthcare to conduct these weird experiments with the fact that they felt like black people, especially back then, were the bottom of the barrel. They felt like they could get away with a lot of these weird experiments. Eventually, the word got out about this study that was going on at the Tuskegee Institute. So as a result of all of these experiments, this one specifically with the uh, Tuskegee Institute, a lot of the people that were in this experiment had passed away or they had lasting effects from this experiment. And a lot of times their wives or girlfriends or children were even affected by it. And so in exchange for a lot of these black males that were uh, in this experiment, they were told that they were going to be given um, meals on the days of examination. They were promised free rides to and from the clinics. They were promised medical exams, free treatment for minor ailments, and guarantees of provisions that would be made after their deaths in terms of burial stipends paid to their survivors. And so with the fact that a lot of these, you know, men that participated in this trial, like I said, were illiterate sharecroppers to them, having these, uh, uh, being able to have that given to them was seen as gold for them because they've never really received any proper health care. So it's really sad to see how much they were taken advantage of and what, what happened to them as a result of them doing these experiments. So in October of 1972, the Tuskegee experiment had ended officially. Now, in terms of mental health and health care over the years, there was an experiment that was done by another doctor in the 1960s um, who was dealing with black males who suffered from mental health issues or behavioral issues. And this doctor was Dr. Orlando J. Andes, and he worked at the University of Mississippi Medical School, where he performed over 30 to 40 lobotomies on black children as young as six years old that were institutionalized at these mental health facilities. And a lot of the children had lasting effects because of, you know, these lobotomies that were being done on them. And in fact, their mental health continued to deteriorate due to these lobotomies that were being performed on them. And if we look at modern times, a lot of the systemic racism that continues to go on amongst healthcare professionals when it comes to Black people is through childbirth. A lot of high mortality rates of Black women um, is happening when it comes to childbirth now. And according to the CDC, Black women amongst every other ethnicity are two point times more that of a white woman to die during childbirth. And with that said, 80% of those deaths are preventable. Now, in most cases in the United States, women are not really allowed the option to have the children naturally. A lot of women during childbirth are forced into having cesareans. And a lot of these are unnecessary cesareans. 
So you pretty much have a healthy woman that's coming into the hospital with a healthy child that in the end is leaving dead because of the fact that a doctor is forcing her into having a cesarean section, which is causing a lot of pulmonary embolisms in women. And with black women specifically, when they are told, when they're telling their providers that they're having complications, oftentimes they're ignored. And I feel like that dates back to slavery when, you know, the idea and the notion is that black women especially can tolerate a high level of pain or that their concerns aren't really important because of the fact that they're black and they may be illiterate or they don't have the means of having the best health care that oftentimes were overlooked. One of the main hospitals that has come under fire in recent times is Cedar sinais Hospital, which is based in L.A. And there have been a couple of lawsuits that have been brought up against this hospital due to the mortality rate of black women in their facility. So I want you guys to take a listen to this clip and I'll come right back. Reporting a California hospital is facing a federal civil rights investigation for the way it treats black women giving birth there. My wife would be here with her boys if it wasn't for the color of her skin. The death of 39-year-old Kira Johnson initiating the scrutiny after her husband filed a civil rights lawsuit against Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. It was later settled. Kira and her husband Charles already parents to one son, a picture-perfect family. When she died after a scheduled C-section delivery of their second child in 2016. After allowing my wife to bleed and suffer needlessly, while my family and myself begged and pleaded for them to simply just treat her with dignity and respect. The case bolstered by this video deposition from Angelique Washington, a former surgical technician at Cedars-Sinai who was in Kira's operating room. The room started to look like a, a murder scene, a crime scene. It started blood everywhere. I knew it, would, it didn't feel good. The LA Times reporting on the investigation after reviewing a letter sent to Kira's husband Charles from the Federal Department of Health and Human Services, stating the department is reviewing the allegations. NBC News also obtaining the letter that says in part, the HHS Office of Civil Rights, quote, is aware of allegations that black women are provided a standard of care below what is provided to other women who are not black when receiving health care services related to labor and delivery. HHS confirming the investigation to the LA Times, NBC News has not heard back from the department. The CDC says in 2021, the maternal mortality rate for black women was 69.9 deaths per 100,000 live births. That's 2.6 times the rate for white women. It has to do with racism, racism in society, racism in healthcare, bias um, amongst healthcare professionals. So we're seeing a disproportionate number of deaths. A Cedars-Sinai spokesperson declining to comment on the investigation, but telling NBC News, Cedars-Sinai clinicians, leaders, and researchers have long been concerned with national disparities in black maternal health, and we are proud of the work we've done and continue to do to address these issues. Kira's husband also filing a lawsuit against her doctor for gross negligence, receiving a $1 million settlement, and filing an additional suit against the hospital that was also settled. Johnson vowing that the pain his family has endured will shed light on the devastating consequences. Kira's legacy will be that this is no longer allowed to happen anyplace. 
And Valerie Castro joins us now in studio. Valerie, the statistics alone should be enough to make us all stop and think about this. But seeing Kira, her family, the life she had, and knowing she is no longer here, that's a gut punch. Were you able to speak with her husband tonight? Allison, it's a devastating story, but her husband, Charles, says he is happy that this issue is now being taken seriously. He says after he came forward with the story of what happened to Kira and their family, he heard from other families who experienced similar tragedies. He said he hopes this investigation leads to change not only at Cedar sinai but other hospitals and other healthcare systems across the country. Valerie Cass thank you so much so to listen to that video and watch it is just extremely sad and you know healthcare system really needs to do better to make it equal for everybody to receive the same level of care but unfortunately in the united states how much you make what your socioeconomic status is is ultimately the determination of how proper you get care. And unfortunately, you know, while we know that there are a lot of successful African-American people in the world, in the United States specifically, we're at a disadvantage. A lot of times we're put into, you know, quote unquote ghettos and we're not really given the best health care. A lot of, you know, black people have had to rely on government health care. And unfortunately, when you have government health care, you're not able to receive the best treatment and care. And you're not really receiving a lot of the best treatment and care because you're not really being treated by the best doctors. And there's also these stereotypes that a lot of these doctors have based upon, you know, the fact that a lot of the patients that come in to receive treatment are from impoverished areas. So they oftentimes don't see a sense of urgency in saving any of these people based upon that factor. There's also the notion that, like I said before, that Black people can tolerate a high level of pain. Um, there was a questionnaire that was done at a medical school. I can't remember where the medical school was, but they had asked all the medical students if they believe this notion that black people can tolerate a high level of pain and 60 percent of all the medical students in this class said yes so just think when a lot of these kids are graduating from these medical schools and they're going into these hospital facilities and they're working as doctors and nurses when they see a person of color they have this notion in the back of their mind. So when black women are, or black men are raising these concerns to their attention, they're being ignored. When they're saying that they're in pain, they're not taking it into consideration because it's the idea that they can tolerate it. So oftentimes when black women and black men are raising concerns of pains to their doctors and they're going into the hospitals, these doctors a lot of times will either not give them any pain medication or they will limit them on the amount of supply that they can have. Because the idea is they're assuming in the back of their mind that they're asking for it because of the fact that they just want to get high. But even sometimes money can't save you from the disadvantages that black people face in the healthcare facility. Um, I don't know if anybody has heard the story um, of what happened to Serena Williams when she was going through childbirth with her first child, Olympia, but she had explained how they, she had went in for a C-section and she was bleeding so much that she almost died on the table 
and she was pleading with doctors to help her. And she was saying how she was going ignored. No one was taking her concerns into consideration. And from that, she almost passed away. Luckily, she didn't. And obviously, she's still here today to tell the story. But that goes to show you that even sometimes, no matter how educated you are or how much money that you have, because, I mean, Serena Williams is one of the most successful athletes in the entire world. And here's someone that's obviously recognized and notable, she couldn't even receive proper health care from her providers, and she's paying top dollar, I'm sure, for that. And the sad part about it all is there's not a lot of Black healthcare professional professionals that are within these healthcare facilities. So you don't really have someone to relate to as a person of color. And if we had this sort of support in these hospital facilities, it could also possibly help limit some of these high mortality rates amongst women of color and black people in general because you have someone there to essentially advocate for you and who understands you ultimately and who probably went through some of the same traumas that you went through or know a family member that went through some of them. And unfortunately, we're living in times where you know, having medical insurance is, like I said, a luxury. A lot of people aren't able to get their hands on it. Even if you work for your employer, chances are nine times out of 10, they're not able to afford you to be able to receive free health care. So people are at a disadvantage because they're using up all their paychecks to pay for health care for themselves and their families. And so a lot of Black people have had a disadvantage when it comes to the workforce. As you see, we don't occupy a whole lot of places. We occupy some of the workforce, but we don't occupy a lot of the top-level places in these facilities. A lot of times, they're forced to get on Medi-Cal or Medicare in order to receive treatment. And those medical insurances are looked at as being bottom of the barrel. So with the fact that they're looked at that in that way, a lot of people, especially Black people, are not going to receive the best level of care that they need. But couple that in with the fact that a lot of these medical schools are still teaching these medical students about experiments that were going on in the 1920s or the early 1800s that are outdated. And, and they're learning specifically about black health from studies that were proven to be harmful to African-Americans over the years. And what this inequality amongst black people does is it causes a distrust amongst black people when it comes to health care. Um, oftentimes, a lot of black people will refuse to go and seek treatment, although they may need to, because they're worried about the fact of them going into the hospitals and ending up in a worse condition than what they're already in. Their fears are that if they do go to the hospital, their providers aren't going to hear or care to hear about the symptoms that they're experiencing and aren't going to want to treat them. And in the end, the result of this will be them possibly dying or passing away due to these providers just simply not giving a damn or not being educated in how to properly give treatment to people of color. When you're receiving treatment by a healthcare professional, you shouldn't have to worry about the fact of if you're African-American that you're going to receive bad treatment based upon the color of your skin. It should never be like that. Everybody is human at the end of the day and everybody deserves fair treatment 
in life, especially when it comes to their health care, especially when they're paying for it out of their pocket. And even if they aren't paying for it, everybody should receive the same level of care. But unfortunately, in the society we live in, if you're someone that is not wealthy, unfortunately, you're going to get the bottom of the barrel level of health or level of care when it comes to um, providers, because that's just how our the how the system is set up in the world. And it's just sad the fact that we still deal with racism in our nation when slavery has been over for well over a hundred years now, and we're still dealing with the aftermath of slavery. It's slavery that's being done in other ways. Um, jail systems is another way, means of slavery. And in this case, slavery is being done in the form of health care. And it's really sad. And we really need to be working on bettering ourselves as human beings to look beyond the color of a person's skin and judging them based upon that. So healthcare providers need to do better when it comes to listening to the symptoms that black people are bringing to their attention when they're coming into the hospitals and they're trying to seek treatment. Their voices should never go unheard. Their cries for help should definitely be looked at and it should be analyzed and it should be assessed and helped. This is one of the leading causes for the high mortality rate amongst people of color in every avenue, whether it's them coming into the hospital for childbirth, whether it is them having a mental breakdown and trying to seek treatment for mental health, whether it is them simply going in for a surgery procedure and ended up dead on the operating table because the ideal is that because they're African-American or because they're black, that they're able to sustain a, a substantial amount of pain and in the end, they bleed to death and die because of this. So, you know, we just really need to do better as a nation. And hopefully, if we continue to bring awareness to a lot of these issues, there can be laws and bills that are passed, enacted and passed in order to stop a lot of these racial inequalities that a lot of African-American people have to face in the healthcare system. Well, with that said, I want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. As you already know, I'm your host, Kyra. If you'd like to support the Vibe Selection podcast, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection. Or if you'd like to get you any Vibe Selection merch, I know it is the summertime right now and a lot of you would like to cool down. So if you are interested in receiving a Vibe Selection mug or water bottle you can get that at www.teespring.com slash vibe selection make sure you like and subscribe and don't forget to follow me on instagram at vibe selection podcast well that'll be all for this week tune in for next week's episode stay safe stay healthy out there bye thank you for joining vibe selection with kyra Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.